You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an episode of the Am Archaeologist Podcast. Now today I have a team with me. A team that's talking about the past. <laughs> Almost like the passage of time. But what would I call such a team? Would the team be the past team? No. Would the team be those from the past? No. There must be a better way to call my team who care about time. Of course, today we're talking about Time Team, and I'm not going to labour that point too much any longer. Of course, Time Team was one of the one of the reasons that a lot of archaeologists um, actually even go and study archaeology. I know that it made up a large part of my childhood, even though I didn't know I was an archaeologist then. I was an archaeologist hiding, didn't even know. But in any case, what I've done is I've assembled together some people who are fans and archaeologists themselves, and are interested in talking about what Time Team means. And of course, it is all very relevant because right now there's a campaign to convince Channel 4 to to produce one final episode of Time Team, uh, it, which is in memory of Mick Ashton, who is one of the main archaeologists on the show. Now, if you haven't seen Time Team, don't worry. Turn on Channel 4 in the middle of the day and you'll get every episode from start to finish cycled around every couple of weeks. So... And, of course, it's also available online, so there's no problem there. So, I want to introduce my wonderful guests. She's back from the last episode. It's Kim Buddle. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> Next up, we have James Dilly of Ancient Crafts UK. Hey, how's it going? And finally, I've got Paul. Hello. <laughs> hello. Very pleased to be here. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for coming today. Um, so, I'll start off with you, Paul, actually. So, mm. tell me. Time team, what what does it mean to you? Oh, um, time team means to me a number of things. First of all, I think um, it represents the best of British television, in a way. I think that when British television gets it right, it really does get it right. And to me, that's what time team um, is. I, I think that um, I remember seeing... Well, not really seeing. I heard the trailer um, for the first uh, episode that went out. Um, but there were a lot of people talking at the time, so I didn't pay much attention to it. And I thought it was a spoof um, doc- a spoof documentary, a mockumentary, if you will, um, because of Tony Robinson's involvement, and I only knew him from Blackadder. Um, so I tuned in largely on those grounds. I had always been interested in history, particularly theatre history and social history, which I now work in. Um, but that wasn't the reason that I tuned in. But when I did, um, I was absolutely just captivated. And I, I genuinely can say I've never actually missed an edition of it. That, that's quite amazing. Uh, I must say, that, that's very, very dedicated. James, were you as dedicated as that? I mean, come on, that, that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a bar. I mean, can you make that? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if I can say that I've watched every one because I became quite specialised in my interests fairly quickly. Um, but I can remember from a really young age, parents and family members possibly having it on and then very quickly deciding that if it wasn't any way associated in prehistory, then 
I was perhaps slightly less interested, but you know, if there was any kind of hint of uh, particularly the Stone Age being on the show, I was there, definitely. Oh, that, that's, I mean, that's obviously sometimes the first time people get to see archaeologists digging instead of, being, you know, bumbling around a museum. So, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, like, I take it you've done your fair share of digging in your time. Uh, yeah, um, well, I've dug with my university, mm -hmm. Southampton. Um, I've dug in the Stonehenge and Avebury landscape, which oh. has been amazing. It's are you, you like know, a it's... human form of time team or something? Or are you just like taking <laughs> yeah, like... off all the all the really famous monuments and dig sites in the UK? There, oh yeah. So uh, I've dug at uh, Stonehenge before. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's uh, kind of important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's something to put on your CV, isn't it? It's def definitely uh, one of those things to do before you die if you're anyway involved in archaeology. And do you think that um, do you think uh, Time Team kind of prepared you for um, archaeology, or do you think uh, do you think you got a good idea of archaeology from Time Team? Um, as someone who was outside of the archaeological world, especially as a young person seeing this uh, in front of me, um, yeah, I, mean, I would def definitely say that it, it really was um, something to encourage me and inspire me. Um, rather than getting a few years down the line trying to think about what to do, um, I already had the interest that was no doubt uh, sparked by uh, Time Team. No, that's that's um, that's a really good interest to have. Of course, uh, we're an archaeology podcast. Of course, we're <laughs> going to say that. Um, and Kim, of course, being an archaeologist, what's your opinion on Time Team? <laughs> well. Time Team is definitely, along with the discovery of the Iceman in the Alps, um, the reason I got into archaeology. I, I uh, um, looked back at all the episodes, um, the uh, very early ones, trying to find the one, the one that captivated me. And I found it was actually episode four of the first ever series. And there were only four episodes, that series, in 1994. Um, it was broadcast first, apparently, on the 6th of February. That was four days before my 16th birthday. And um, that is when I decided I wanted to be an archaeologist. It was actually um, an excavation of a Cranog in Wales, of all places. They're very unusual in Wales. Um, a Cranog uh, at Slangorse. And I remember very clearly from um, that time that they found a beautiful fingering made of shale, completely... Um, pristine and that they kept it in a Ziploc bag with water in it and I had no idea why at the time um, and they didn't explain it actually either uh, when I when I rewatched the episode why it was kept um, wa um, in water because the whole site was waterlogged mm -hmm. and it was that it was finding that very personal item that they um, that was obviously very important to the archaeologists to find as well mm -hmm. um, that that just completely captivated me um once i became an archaeologist and kind of did the, all the, the the university degrees and did some digging i kind of went off time team and I, it might have been some kind of weird professional snobbery um but i it, in in some ways it was a bit like busman's holiday i didn't didn't really want to come home from digging in on the clay in Essex in the winter and then put time team on and get more archaeology in my face. Um, but it's really nice to see it now and to see the huge number of sites that they excavated 
um, really sometimes putting a real boost into the local archaeology of that area. So um, I've gone back to it now. <laughs> Which is good to hear. I'm glad you're back. Glad you're back in the <laughs> building. Now, um, obviously, uh, one of the most... Uh, one of the things that stands out about Time Team is the presenters. Ultimately, they are the ones that carried a lot of the show. Of course, the archaeology did as well. No, of course, the finds did. But ultimately, we all we all knew our ideas about how archaeologists dress came from Time <laughs> Team. All the wonderful jumpers. Oh, the tatty, like, the rags that were jeans at one point. So, Paul... <laughs> What was your impression of our wonderful presenters? I mean, obviously, it was Baldrick at the four there. It was, absolutely. He's, he's, um, got, he's, got, he's had several cunning plans since. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. I should have said well, it perfectly. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it was for me is I think that um, we're so used now to uh, our media has to be presented by people who have a certain look, uh, this well-kempt, idealistic look almost. And... With Time Team, here, here clearly was a show where that wasn't uh, such an important point. Um, so it didn't matter, I suppose, in a way that you had um, uh, Mick with uh, his wonderful jumpers. Um, and you have Phil with that wonderful hat. I mean, the hat is Phil. I, I believe that Phil's hat has its own Twitter account, if I, I think I'm right <laughs> it, there. It uh, actually um, does. Yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> um, so for me, I suppose, with the presenters, it was the fact that I wasn't seeing television presenters so much. I was seeing people who had a love for their subject. And I suppose it's um, rather like you remember the teachers from your school days um, who are able to captivate you and take you on a journey because they love their subject and they can infuse you like that. And I think that that was um, what I um, got from all of these remarkably different personalities. I mean, for me, it was always um, Victor Ambus. I always, I, I don't know, there was something so relaxed about the man and just to see him sketching uh was always such a wonderful treat and i i think that for me um victor's illustrations took me more to um, to the time if you like than any of the cgi did which is always very impressive of course but that human touch of his work um i thought was a, a wonderful thing and the fact that also that ultimately time team didn't seem to be presenter-led it was very much at least you know uh, for it, the first couple of decades almost it was very much uh, to do with the subject i think later on possibly it became a little more involved in sort of like um, presenters and things like that but for me it was the fact that you had people here who adored what they were doing um and that enthusiasm every sunday that was transferred through the television to me without any problem at all and James, were you inspired by the presenters? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, what, one of my lifetime goals or dreams for a long time has been to uh, do some more uh, TV and media work. Um, that and seeing people sort of doing Flint Nap and Ancient Crafts on TV, um, I've definitely been very uh, heavily influenced by archaeology on TV. Um, Time Team's part of that. Seeing some of the, um, particularly the Elvedon, episode when they do the uh, lower Paleolithic dig um, and both uh, Flint Napper John Lord and um, Phil are doing a bit of napping um, you know that perfect 
Uh, I mean, I'm doing my uh, MA in Paleolithic Archaeology now and still fondly think of that episode occasionally, uh, digging in the really soft sediments, pulling out some great environmental data. Um, so from a point of view now, when you're going through um, the material and the information from a really detailed level, um, obviously they can't put it across to uh, an, a PhD or MA standard um, because you're looking at a very limited audience, but they still put it across in a way, either with the CGI reconstruction or artist reconstruction, um, that make a very distant period very uh, accessible to everyone. That, and that's one of the great things, is that Time Team do also does kind of cover a lot of different kind of um, time periods. Actually, I'm just looking at a number of stats for the show. Would you believe it's had 20 series? This is... I don't know if that yeah. is that right term. Twenty series, uh, which comprise of two hundred and seventy-five episodes. That, that's quite a. That, that is quite a lot, and obviously, those are uh, across a number of years. With the first broadcast, as mentioned before, starting off on the sixteenth of January, nineteen ninety-four. Now, Kim, would you ever consider presenting a show like Time Team? Oh God, I'd love to. I. It, as as James says, it it does make archaeology really accessible, and it 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 explains so many things to people that that they would never have known about how archaeology works, um, and I think that was the one of the the greatest achievements of it. I mean, like the word geophys is now in you know everyday vocabulary, um, although I'm well, still not sure that everybody knows what it means. <laughs> of every day. <laughs> yeah. I, I must say that I, I'd be very impressed if like geophys. Uh, next, uh, for this is the round on archaeology in today's pub quiz. What is the, <laughs> what is the term for uh, geo? Oh, I think you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would, I mean, it would be amazing to, to have that kind of um, experience. But I think what was great about um, Time Team as well was as as Paul said, just the the number of people involved in it, it wasn't. And I know Tony kind of brought it all together, but it was definitely an ensemble cast, as it were. And um, everybody had a particular expertise. And what was great was that they all worked together pretty well. Got seemed to get on pretty well on screen, obviously. Um, and um, yeah, they all contributed in in very different ways uh, to the to the. Um, uh, to the project so yeah that would be amazing i'm not sure whether you know going out and doing more digs around the country um uh should be done exactly the same way but um i mean there have been you know other uh um uh, programs that have tried to kind of take on the mantle, haven't they? Like the, I think was was it the extreme archaeology one? I can't remember what it was about. Where they yeah, were digging inside cliffs. What was it, James? Extreme archaeology was a great show. Yeah, wasn't Alice Roberts in that? Uh, yeah, and I, th I think they on on some occasions they did have some of the um, uh, uh, the time team team, but not none of the main ones. Um, sort of the the sub team they had on occasionally, but yeah, that that was definitely uh, a bit bit of a uh, adrenaline junkie archaeology, um, very different to the um, uh, a bit more realistic uh, view that Time Team approaches. It, it was definitely extreme by nature and title. <laughs> 
yeah but it, but it didn't it didn't carry on really did it and no um, it was a bit of a shame yeah. i'm not sure if there is is there really a, a a successor to time team out there just going to say that i think that uh, it's interesting when you see that the amount of other programs that have some way uh, tried to uh, emulated success um, or examine archaeology and for some reason they just don't seem to have that same grip um, on the public. Um, I remember another was uh, Two Men in a Trench, I think that was back in oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I yeah, 2002, I think that was. Um, and that were now hang on. Um, long hair, what's his name? He does... Uh, Neil, Neil Oliver. Neil Oliver. Yeah. yeah, that's right, but I think it only managed the one series. I mean, it was an enjoyable program uh and i've never quite understood why it it didn't um it, it didn't progress to another series but mm. for some reason um i think it was something of the makeup of time team it was the it was that gung-ho uh i think approach that it had um which was I, i'm not afraid to use the word inspirational i suppose about it no, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's a very good choice of words because ultimately that's what you want to do. You want to kind of make people very, very interested in archaeology. And I, I would agree that it's it's difficult for other uh, shows to do it without being over the, like, over the top in a different manner. You know, like Time Team was great because it kept, kept its, f f you know, feet firmly planted in the trench. There was none of this... Pie, uh, pie in the sky kind of thinking and programming that you might see across yeah. the water <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> I mean like obviously there was um, uh, there's a number of other shows related to uh, Time Team obviously there is Time Team Over in America but uh, yeah. there's also Time Team Extra and Time Team Digs which I don't think ever they never really took over they're like they basically those two shows were kind of a bit more well, they didn't run for very long. <laughs> Jenny McNiven, host and diva of The Struggling Archaeologist's Guide to Getting Dirty, brings a witty, personal, and often musical view of archaeology. From personal experiences to just telling you about something she really loves, you'll always be informed and entertained. Listen to The Struggling Archaeologist's Guide to Getting Dirty on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash struggle arch let's get back to the show yeah. <laughs> by series each i think and um i i can actually i like looking through their details it was more about um it was uh, like Time Team Extra, for example, was just in-depth, more in-depth stuff on particular areas, which is quite interesting, you know. Uh, but obviously, I think the fact that, you know, Time Team covered, you know, from <laughs> the late Stone Age right up to mm. modern times, especially they did even focus on stuff that was Victorian, which I thought, and uh, they do love their manor houses as well. And let, who could forget Saxon gold? turning up in the most unlikely of places but obviously uh it's it's wonderful to actually see uh that you know people really really appreciate archaeological programming and i would be i would be kind of interested to see what uh a show in the future can do 
yeah. and even do better than Time Team because ultimately, you know, what what archaeo- uh, you know, this is this is the this is the right. Well, we've talked all the nice things about <laughs> Time Team. Now it's time to get the guns out. No, I'm kidding. But like, obviously, <laughs> um, to an archaeologist, three day digs are not normal. They they they're 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 less than skimming the surface. They're they're the 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 kind of time you take to have a look and see if you would want to dig further. That's the kind of things. And uh, and I like I I want to take uh, first. I'll go to Kim and ask you about what yeah. you think of like some of the some of the issues with um, time team that you see from an archaeological point of view. Well, I think the the one of the issues with time team that was eventually sorted or, or to a degree was what happened after all of these three day digs. I mean, archaeology doesn't stop when you stop digging. Um, you know, there's so much, much, much more that has to be done um, with everything that you've found um, and all of the records that you've made after the dig is finished. Obviously, it's not very interesting to film it, obviously. Um so, but um, not not a lot was done with all of that stuff from the first what I don't know ten or, or twelve series or something like that until um, eventually it it became clear that uh, somebody was going to have to uh, write it all up um, and properly archive it. Uh, and I think Wessex archaeology, um, through obviously probably through the connection with Phil Harding, um, got that job in the end. So I think that was. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a downside to it to not show any of that at all, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that was a, it. Kind of did archaeology slight disservice that way, um, I think, not looking at the post excavation process at all. Um, but uh, obviously the um, the three day digs in the in the early days it was very clear. It, it seemed to me that they were kind of the start of something that someone else was going to take on. Um, mm. But that kind of fell away again in the later, later series as well. I don't know. What, what, what do you think, James? Or how would you tackle this? I mean, obviously time team has a TV show to make, you know, they're obviously going to have to, you know, round off corners. They're going to have to make decisions about making something for TV. And, you know, sometimes archeology span is a lot of digging around in the, in the mud. So how would you, how, how do you see this? Um, well, from a TV point of view, it has to be something that uh, isn't slowly grinding along, isn't visually um, impaired by uh, the normal conditions that we all are, sort of very poor weather that can set archaeologists back days or even weeks. Um, I know they do, uh, or did at least, um, sort of show it when it was raining, etc., but it wasn't a case of, oh, the show's cancelled, I'm sorry, the conditions or permission couldn't be obtained, but... To give it credit, it was very smooth um, as a show, um, and it, it, I guess, almost gives viewers that uh, view that archaeology is, in fact, a very quick process. Um, you can almost pop along for the weekend, do a bit of digging, and completely finish everything to a, a great standard, or at least a, a sort of tight standard, which we know isn't right um, now, at least. Um, but it's great for people to see... Um, that archaeology is exciting, um, and when people start to look into it more, 
um, though we'll start to see that actually there is quite a lot more to it but at that point hopefully they would be really engaged really enthusiastic with it and would pursue it more um, so I would almost consider time team like uh, a series of stepping stones for people outside archaeology um, to be hooked onto it and then a little more and a little more as they start to progress uh, into amateur archaeology groups um, maybe into sort of higher education I think that um, TV has to have that hook, doesn't it? And it's it's peculiar because at the start of every single uh, edition of Time Team, before the titles, uh, Tony always says, and we've got just three days to find out. And it never occurred to me, really, to go, well, why? Why three? Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's an obvious reason, which is that television has to have that, that hook, that maybe that challenge element. I think were you to go along um, and try to seek a commission for a program, especially these days, um, you'd need something like that, a little uh, sort of enticement to the view, you know, we're, we're against the clock, um, that sort of thing. Um, and it's, uh, I, I think a, a television environment just needs that, really. Um, I, I quite agree. I think that to actually see uh, more of the, the, the later processes would be a, a wonderful thing. And for me, certainly, um, you know, I've sort of like uh, my own interests of study have taken me more into sort of like uh, the background, um, of, you know, the social history and things like that. And looking more into the records rather than the ruins, I suppose. Um, but... You know, if it, if it weren't for Time Team starting when it did, I think I'm very unfortunate that it did start when it did. I'd already started my degree at that point. Um, if, maybe like Kim, if I'd have seen it and then set my mind on a, on a course of study, then there's a good chance I would have, I imagine, I could well have gone into archaeology. I would have loved to have done. Um, but I had to adapt my own area of study. Um, it's okay. We, we, we can co-opt you if you want. I'm sure James oh, and Kim you. will happily, we'll, 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 do the, we'll, <laughs> we'll do the sacrifice of the ritual and we'll imbue the spirit of archaeology upon you. <laughs> I think that, I think uh, in, in TV terms, um, I think I remember um, whenever I've read sort of publicity, it's always, this is archaeology against the clock. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it makes it sound really, really exciting. We've got to do it in this amount of time. So to a TV audience, it's, um, it's almost a game show element, I suppose, which is used as a hook. Maybe not terribly realistic, um, but certainly I think it, it did its job of making it sound as though, you know, that we're in a, a dicey situation here. That's actually really, mm. really interesting because I would say as, as an archaeologist that indeed we actually are against the clock. You know, and, um, you know, because ultimately stuff in the ground slowly does degenerate over time. And, you know, when, when we have good preservation uh, conditions like waterlogged sites, uh, it means stuff gets preserved very, very well. But then there are other sites where we have a decay. And actually, um, due to climate change, we have sites on coastal areas that are now under threat. And, um, I mean, it's, yes, it's not even in the UK, but I know in Alaska, there's a site at Quinnahawk, which is eroding away so fast that they're literally finding item, artifacts from about a thousand years ago, almost basically washing into the sea because of the coastal erosion. And I'm pretty sure that there's going to be coastal erosion here in the UK as well. So, I mean, I'd say, I'd say, like... That's actually something good you've touched on. That could be in a roundabout yeah. way, Paul. Because I think I think we got our next one. It's a race against the sea. 
I think we should fight the sea. I know that sounds very. I think that's a good. Idea. I know that sounds very Canutian, but I think we should be able to do it. I, 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 yeah. That, that's, that's it. Canute warriors. That's where we're going. To. We're going to fight the sea and save archaeology. I'd commission that. Oh, certainly. thank you. That sounds like a good hook. That's good, uh, James. Do we have your Do we have your backing on this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the one, the one show I did with Time Team, it was for the, the special when they were looking at that uh, Bronze Age cairn that was falling into the sea. So having seen it firsthand, well, uh, um, did... it would make for quite an exciting you work. You did an episode with Time Team? Yeah, tell us about yeah, it, yeah, tell yeah. us about it, please. You never mentioned um... this. When did you mention this? You come on my show, <laughs> you've been on Time Team, and then suddenly suddenly I find out you've been on Time Team halfway through. What does that mean look like? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James, go on. <laughs> it was the uh, Britain's Bronze Age Mummies one um, up at Low Hawksley, Northumberland. It was a, a special, I think it was March, uh, yeah, March last year, mm. I think it was broadcast. Um, and uh, what, what it was, um, was that as I think they're starting to do, I don't know whether they'll do many more, um, is have these sort of special episodes where they start to focus um, on certain periods or sites and explore them a bit, but not really do too much archaeology themselves, but the presenters will visit either museums or sites or specialists um, with sort of quite dynamic CGI and a few other bits. And what, what I did with uh, Dr. Fionn Reynolds um, was we went up to Northumberland. God, that was a drive up there. Um, and... Um, we did some shots on the beach where she was talking uh, to Phil, Tony and Francis Pryor um, about evidence of British shamanism in the Bronze Age. Um, and I spoke to them and um, showed them my um, uh, replica um, shaman uh, setup uh, based on evidence from uh, Germany and a few other sites. Um, so it was really cool. Um, that, that was sort of a dream come true, really, being able to actually do um, something for the series. And there was always that worry that one, once the series really went, um, that I'd missed my chance. But uh, no, it, it was um, just in time. And it, it was, funnily enough, at the same time uh, I was digging down in Avebury. So that was a busy old summer, that one. Oh, I can imagine. That sounds really interesting. I mean, how was it uh, to, like, you were obviously involved in some of the filming. I mean, how did that work? How was the filming done? Was it kind of like, oh, yeah, look like you're digging the trench there or uh, look like you're doing this. No, no, no. And obviously, yeah, you weren't on the dig site, but I, I just want to know what kind of, how did it feel like to be on set or location, as it were? Um, well, the dig site was pretty much next to us. It was literally on the beach. Um, and, you know, the, the can was sort of falling into the sea, um, and he actually told me in sort of 100 yards um, away from it, and they'd built a huge bonfire, um, and they had um, uh, Tony, Phil, and Francis, um, and uh, Fionn sit on the log having a discussion, um, and uh, you, you, well, if you watch it, and I guess it's on 4OD, um, you'll see a crazy man uh, <laughs> dancing and jumping around this uh, bonfire with very strange clothing and teeth rattling about his face. And what is this madman from another time doing it? Well, that's actually me. Um, now that's not, not what I normally wear. Sure. I uh, might get some odd looks around the university. Um, certainly be, uh, you know, a, 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 bit, a bit of a... Uh, a, a 
bit of a social media stunt, but uh, you know, it was really, really cool because I'd spent a few hours on the dig site chatting to Clive Waddington, who was sort of uh, directing the dig, and it was really good stuff that they were bringing out. Um, and that, it was really nice just being on the beach, um, ha- having a chat with the presenters beforehand, because it was a great place up there. And then beforehand, uh, I'd done some CGI work in a green screen studio um, beforehand as well. So I got both aspects mm. Um, of it really which was really really fun no that, that sounds really fun and i'm actually incredibly jealous you got to dance around mm. in shaman outfit on like uk tv i mean i must say that that is one interesting thing to bring to future employers well you know i was i was yeah, no, <laughs> you, you don't you, you don't take that shaman stuff out and night out do you and like try and convince people you're literally from another time because yeah. <laughs> i'm saying like about 1 a.m in the morning you know you, you could walk up to people like I, I come from 1st AD or like 16th century BC and <laughs> people will believe you. Yeah, you, you'd, you'd scare scare people senseless, wouldn't you? It'd be, be uh, sort of a late Saturday night in Southampton coming down the street with that lot on. You know, no, be, that would be an inter- like intimidating. <laughs> that would be an interesting archaeological program. <laughs> yeah, n- next day in the paper, crazy man in animal skins found in Southampton. Mm. I mean, do, do we do we need another digging program? That's the question because you know, our, our like, I mean, obviously, archaeology and digging are are very 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 linked. But um, you know, we we do have a lot of material, and you know, in terms of what's stored in museums, what we've already dug up, and you know, in some ways arguably we've got enough material but i mean do we need another time team in the sense of you know people digging up and interpreting their own site or do you think archaeological programming will you know due to (laughs) restraints and i'm sure cuts or everything like that you know will we see more museum programs yeah i i would say that that most of the programs that um are about archaeology at the moment are definitely kind of museum-y based or site, you know, looking like Coast, for instance, going around is not necessarily all archaeology, but very much looking at um, the sites that are already there that we have already done work on and not necessarily going to dig. Um, and that seems to be what's, what we're left with at the moment and not, not any digging programs. I think that's what was so amazing about Time Team um, was they actually just, just went and dug. Um Maybe the 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 next um, digging program could look at um, commercial archaeology. Although you'd have to get around so many problems with that, with you know heavy plant and uh, permissions from the client and th- things like that. But it, it just seems to be a very unexplored world for the public. If you tell them that you're a commercial archaeologist, they have absolutely no idea of how that all works. Um, and there you would still get a little bit of the uh, excitement of working mm. against the clock and, and saving this from being built on or something. You know, or, or it's um, obviously we don't want to go. Maybe that's what the whole three-day dig was supposed was trying to recreate was that that idea of rescue archaeology mm. and that idea of having to save it before it was um, uh, before it was destroyed, uh, but in a in a slightly artificial way. Yeah. Um, so I think the digging, I think, yeah, looking more at, at, at digs maybe that are already going on, that would be um, uh, an interesting way to go. Right, Paul, you've had history of uh, 
broadcasting, or so you tell us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, what, would, what, what are the kind of hurdles that you think uh, a show about archaeology from what you know about uh, Time Team and what you've heard today, what are the kind of hurdles do you think for a production stu- uh, production kind of company, what, what sort of hurdles do you think archaeologists need to kind of get over to do with broadcasting, more from a broadcasting point of view? From a broadcasting point of view, I think, um, first of all, there is the fact that budgets are being cut and cut and cut. Um, you now have uh, hour-long documentaries being produced for BBC4 on a fraction of the budget that they would have been made on maybe 10 years ago. Um, and obviously a program like Time Team, you know, that's going to cost at the end of the day. So I think budgets uh, is one problem. Um, I think also Time Team may have suffered um, slightly possibly to do with its audience because these days broadcasting is being geared towards the idea of uh, you know programs can be time shifted we record things and we watch them later and all this sort of thing but maybe that wasn't the sort of audience that time team had um i i recall a couple of times that series would start and i had no idea they were coming on um they weren't particularly heavily trailed Mm -hmm. um and also there was the fact that that the time slot seemed to shift uh, from week to week, you know, for a good few years, I knew what time Time Team would be on. I knew what time of year Time Team would be on as well. But then all of a sudden, um, it starts going out at sort of half past four in the afternoon on a Sunday, um, which is inconvenient to watch live. And if there's very little promotion behind it, then you're just not going to know about it particularly. So it's no surprise to me that um you know the the figures slumped down to around about that 1.5 million mark but then again i think with the way the viewing figures are declining steadily which is seen year on year i think it's going to come to a point where people would have dreamt about 1.5 million mm-hmm. uh, people watching a show like time team um i i personally in terms of a replacement i don't know why they had to cancel the show I mean, we can look at such things as falling viewers, um, but there is this um, unfortunate uh, preoccupation that people have uh, in television. They're usually the the managers, it has to be said. And they look at a program and think, that's very successful, that works. We've got to keep it working. How do we keep it working? So they'll introduce gimmicks. Uh, maybe. And it happens, it doesn't just happen in programs like Time Team. I mean, uh, just to go down a completely different road for a moment, uh, most people who work in broadcast will tell you that was why Blind Date died out even. It affects every single program you can think of. Um, and I think possibly Time Team attempted in some ways with introducing a second presenter and things like this to work alongside Tony. Um, I think it tried to uh, reinvent itself when it didn't really need to. You had a formula that worked and it worked for the best part of 20 years. So to me, I don't understand why it had to be changed, but that is something that I'm afraid uh, is so prevalent within television. It works. It works beautifully. So let's keep it fresh. And they don't seem to think that a, a viewer will just keep watching a program because they enjoy that almost repetitive uh, formulaic side, especially if the formula is the overall shell of the program. But with Time Team, the contents 
that they were so varied um, that I, I don't think that mattered at all. To me, it's just a real, a real pity that it, it isn't on there, inspiring a whole new generation. But I, I can tell you now that um, my kids um, sit there and they'll watch the repeats with me um, on yesterday. They'll sit there and they love them. And for the same reason, bizarrely as I did, um, my eldest son has just started to uh, find out about Blackadder. And then one day he saw a little bit of Time Team. There's Baldrick. But then from that, he suddenly developed an interest in uh, comparably recent history. But World War One is absolutely fascinating to him. And because of that now, at least once a month, we head across to um, our local city museum. And that is entirely because of this wonderful, wonderful uh, TV programme that I really think should still be with us now. That is one of the best stories I've heard in a while. Actually, seriously. And I think that's something I'd love to see repeated. I, I think people should, you know, get really excited about the past because it is mm. worth so much, you know? Mm. Our past is not just something that has happened. It's something we, day-to-day, like, deal with. And I think that's 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 amazing to hear. And I hope your son turns out to be an archaeologist because archaeologists are awesome oh absolutely uh, <laughs> i'm sure all my guests would agree <laughs> yes of course <laughs> of course we all might see another episode of time team sometime soon how do you ask well currently as we mentioned at the star show there's a campaign on at the moment to try and petition channel 4 to make a new episode so guys i don't know if, have you guys heard about this campaign Oh yeah, I've signed it definitely. Have everybody signed it here? I'm guessing. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and uh, obviously, it's like this is actually funny enough. I'll say it now. Yeah, this campaign is what brought all of us here together for this show actually today, and um, I, I I'm very much in support of it, and I look really look forward to having a a, a new episode, as it were, and uh, of course, you know. Uh, this episode has a special significance because um, of the passing of Mick Ashton. I don't know uh, about you guys. Do you have any specific memories of him on Time Team? His hair, actually. <laughs> not not his jumpers, but more his hair. It was a br- a brilliant. I think hair generally. Phil's hair and Mick's hair. <laughs> I think you might have nice. been a hairdresser in your other life or something. Oh, no, no. of it. <laughs> what What about you, James? Having you know, like having been on Time Team, I mean, what 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 what, what um, stands out for you? I can always remember Mick uh, being sort of the voice of reason on the show, um, whilst Tony was trying to big up something that uh, you know could be very small, but it, it could be this, um, and him being like, well, actually. Um, it, it might not be quite as much that, but we'll see how it goes. Um, and, but from sort of more more of a personal memory, he actually came to my uh, secondary school when we were doing some archaeology for a new gym, um, and they had an archaeology open day. And I can remember chatting to him for sort of a good amount of time, and I think I was about ten. Um, and uh, I used to work as a farm hand, um, and one of the fields had an uh, unknown Roman villa. Bronze Age site, Saxon site, loads on it, and brought it all in uh, an action man box to present to him. And he, he spent a long time going through it all. Um, so he was really, really good. And it, he, it just seemed like he had time for anyone, really. Um, and speaking to other people, 
um, about them. They all say the same, that, you know, whoever you are, um, whatever level you were, he had time for you, um, if he had it, uh, within reason. But he was just seemed genuinely a great guy. Um, so he, he really was sort of the backbone of the show, um, or one of the backbones. Um, and it, I think it was just such a shock to the archaeological community to, the, to lose this guy who had inspired thousands, who probably didn't think he would inspire just that many people when it started off, even sort of the pilot episodes of Time Team, or before it was Time Team proper. Um, I doubt he thought he would be so significant, such a household name to so many. Um, so it, it was a, a great loss, but he was such a great guy as well. Yeah, um, I think that, um, as I said before, you always remember uh, the teacher from your school day who inspired you because they loved what they did so much. And I think that Mick is someone I would have loved to have uh, been taught by because just by watching um, him on Time Team, I feel so much more... I feel so much more rich, I suppose. Um, this was a man, obviously, you know, we're not talking about a television presenter. We're not talking about a television personality. We're talking about somebody who loved what they did um, in a rather straightforward way as well. Um, and, and that enthusiasm could uh, draw you in. Um, and... I, I think that it's it's a terrible shame to everyone in the archaeological community, but it's a terrible shame um, to the TV viewership as well. I, I think that to lose someone like that, who is so effortlessly is able to interest you and engage you without the need for an auto cue, I think that that's a rare talent, and I think that. Um, I think he'll be missed for as long as those repeats are played out on of Time Team. And of course, um, we are in full support uh, of the new show. We're we're hoping that uh, it does get created. Fingers crossed. Uh, if you, I will make sure that the uh, petition is in the show notes below. And hopefully, it'll. I well, I know it's going to be something quite special, as you, Time Team usually does deliver on that front. Thank you to all my guests today, and it's it's been a very, very special episode. It's also my first episode where I've had more than one person, and so it's been nice to uh, <laughs> dance between all these uh, voices. Uh, thank you to everybody uh, for being on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tristan. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you, you very me. much. Thank you very much indeed. No worries. And if any of you have uh, any, like, blogs or websites or uh, anything that you want to plug, you can do so now. <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> you, James. Uh, okay, well, um, if you're on, on Twitter, uh, I'm ancientcraftuk. Um, my website is just ancientcraft.co.uk. Very, very nice. And Paul, you got any blogs that you do or anything? Um, I, I, well, my various ramblings can be found um, via Twitter. I suspect my retweets are more interesting than my original tweets, but um, I'm the at Paul Carmichael V. Very nice. And finally, Kim. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about schools for history um, no, again? No, everybody knows that uh, from if you listened to the last episode, which of course you did, about schoolsprehistory.co.uk. Um, and I'm on Twitter as SCH Prehistory, and also as Kim Bidolf. 
um, so quite easy to find me. Excellent. Thank you very, very much to everybody listening and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see a new Time Team episode. In the meantime, you can check out all the other shows on the Archaeology Podcast Network and uh, that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. (laughs) And goodbye from your Saturday Night Shaman. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a hashtag. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.